Hello and welcome to Real Deals' latest podcast in association with Drax Executive. I'm Talia Masiri, editor of Real Deals, and today I have the pleasure of hosting this session in conversation with Matthew Finney, Chief Technology Officer at Drax Executive. Matthew has over 30 years of operational and executive experience with use of technology to transform industries. He has a broad range of in-depth expertise across different sectors from hardware, software and service provider industries developed through the early application of internet and enterprise networking to the development of cloud-based platforms and enterprise digital transformation. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Talia. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Great. Um, so in this session, we will focus on the key considerations and concerns around leadership due diligence. So Matthew, to start, perhaps you could tell me why is leadership diligence um, important for dealmakers? I think uh, in diligent, uh, diligence is important for dealmakers, largely for two reasons. One is there's the kind of obvious reason. You're investing a lot of money in a uh, organisation and uh, a business at the end of the day, the leaders are the people who you're trusting to steer that investment and give you the return, especially within the private equity world where you kind of have a very defined outcome, right? You, you invest and you're looking to um, return something to the fund and say a five-year horizon. And so yeah. understanding the effectiveness of leaders within that context is, is super important to achieving your value creation plan. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, but just, just to be a bit kind of controversial here, clearly private equity has, is doing well and has a proven model um, at the same time as kind of little attention being paid to leadership um, diligence. So kind of, I think a recent report mentioned that only one, less than 1% of fees um, across deals are being allocated to this up until now. Um, so why is this and, and does this really need to change in your view? I think there's two things. I think uh, the 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 reason such a small amount of fees go into it is it's actually really quite hard. And it's also mm. if you're buying something, um, you know, you're buying an organization. I've been on both sides of the table. It's you know, it's one thing being told you know, they don't like your business. Right. They don't think what you've done is particularly good or your strategy sucks, etc. Mm -hmm. it's an entirely different thing saying that actually I don't think you're very good or you're not in the right role or I'm not sure you're going to be part of the journey and this kind of thing oh but we'd still like to buy you right you know yeah. the the challenge for the buyer is that you kind of at some level want to understand as much as you can about the business and hence why you there are you know huge amounts of tension on financial legal commercial uh, due diligence leadership is harder right one yeah. it's a less exact science as mm -hmm. it stands today and secondly you kind of in this slight bind that you want to keep the management on side um uh such that if it does come down to a you know a competitive bidding situation that you're you're not going to get rejected because the man you don't mm. take the management with you um but you also want to make sure that as soon as you do the transition transaction you're in a position to make the changes you need to change if you need to make them yeah yeah i guess it's kind of a, a fine balance there as you say in terms of not wanting to offend the management team in order to, to be able to kind of get the deal done but also being able to have those conversations and perhaps 
critique but um in a in a kind of an effective way um would you say in your opinion then private equity firms have, have shied away from this in the past um I, I just think no one's really i don't think it's private equity firms per se i think it's management teams within uh companies it's in general no one's you know you're as good as your track record right mm. and you know it's a lot of it's based on the fact have you done this before yes you have okay i can see that great right you're the guy um and to your earlier point you know private equity has been very successful done a lot of deals and this hasn't really risen you know become a, a huge factor mm. i think the the i think there's you know it partly isn't a huge factor because no one has got a really good way of dealing with it in the in the initial phase yeah and i think the other thing is it somewhat does depend on the asset and the deal how much in some cases let's be completely honest right uh people are buying an asset and it'd be great if the management team are great and come with it and the other cases they're like you know i that's a initial that's something i can deal with you know i can change yeah. that i can move it around as i as i wish it a lot of it depends on the business the closer you get to kind of a venture type model in terms mm -hmm. of the business more nascent in terms of strategy the more reliant you are at some level on on the team if you've got a a, a big mature business in a, in a large sector that uh, is well defined and yeah. you're using uh, a value creation plan, which is, you know, I don't know, leveraging a balance sheet or something, then maybe the impact of the management team, whilst it's always going to be there, is probably not as acute as in other areas. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's, it's quite kind of dependent on, on the type of business and the, the size of the business there, um, and perhaps how mature it is as well. Um, and I definitely want to get on to um, looking at your views, Matthew, on, on what characteristics and how, how uh, dealmakers should go about assessing those. But just before that, I'm interested in understanding kind of what is um, leading this type of diligence. So what is kind of bringing leadership diligence up on the agenda? Um, what's causing kind of greater focus on it? Well, I, think, I think one of the things is if you look at all the, the sophistication we've had over the last number of years in understanding businesses modeling businesses understanding markets and even modeling markets to a lesser or greater extent um i think you know we've got better and better at doing that and i think there was a, a recent bain report that captured uh, on a survey of a bunch of uh, uh fund leaders and they said well yeah. what are the what is the most important thing for deal success and they said the management team and what is the biggest cause of failure in uh, an exit uh, and they said very just slightly below uh, in, a, in a very close second was management team so all of a sudden you know you you fix a whole bunch of things and this one is now the one that is is most material when you're coming into it you know because it's a process it's a process if you go way back 20 years there are you could there was a lot of inefficiency in businesses but as we've got smarter and better you kind of move those things out and i think it's now we're at the point where you got quite you can have quite sophisticated businesses um but you you know you are still reliant on the management team and you're mm -hmm. still reliant on that being in the right place and having the right level of flexibility to one execute on your value creation plan but to deal with changes in the market and and disruptions as and when they come yeah 
from your view, would you say it's kind of quite easy to pinpoint where a management team may perhaps be letting a business down? Uh, I wouldn't say it's easy. Mm -hmm. um, if it was easy, people would have done it bluntly. Okay. I, I think I think it's it's about it's it, the, the the issue with it is there's no kind of absolute. Um, it's uh, if you look at most of the time when people look at leaders, they're looking at their uh, sector experience or for one of a better word, the main experience. Yeah. But they're in conversely, there are good examples of domains which have or sectors that have got, if you like, kind of sluggish in, in the, the lack of transformation and they become ripe for disruption. And we've seen it in multiple sectors. We've seen it with things like advertising. We've seen it in the industry I came from, which was, you know, uh, cloud and infrastructure yeah. is that there's so the people who uh, should benefit from the changes in the market and technology don't because their incumbent domain mentality is actually adverse. Whereas what you want is someone who comes in with completely fresh eyes and says, well, guys, I don't know why you do it this way. Yeah. And then you'll get the flip side of it where other industries where it's all about domain knowledge. Right. Mm. And so, you know, that's that's a, that's a key thing. So it's it's it is highly dependent on, you know, the way we think about it and the way you think about a leader in themselves is dependent on their, their domain experience, their sector experience. Mm -hmm. the, the situation, which is your value creation plan. What is it you're trying to do? What is your hypothesis? What is the, the thesis you're trying to execute on? What is going on in the market, for example? Mm -hmm. Their relevant experiences, their relevant experience within the context of the T. For example, you know, I've mostly been in kind of CTO type roles and product roles. My job largely is to change an organization. So it's a very situationally biased function as opposed to, say, someone who's a sales leader, yeah. which is understanding a customer set, which is more the main bias. So it is variable, um, not just within the context of the market you're in, but also value creation plan, the state of the market in terms of its own internal transformation, and also then what your investment thesis is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So quite quite a few factors to consider there. Um, but with this, Matthew, kind of what what features and characteristics would you say a successful uh, management team comprises of? Um, and and can this be measured across the board, or again, is it likely to be dependent on the type of business? Um, what what should dealmakers be looking for? I think there are some things. There's some hygiene factors which are just you know it's a. Uh, that if they're there, then they 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 give you a, a sense of comfort. And one is what we refer to as functional balance. Do you have, and that's do you have the right functional diversity in the team? And in you know in, in a very very simple sense, you can argue that you've got a kind of tactical day to day business, which is largely your if you like your revenue function to your operational function, delivering and executing on the the day to day. Yeah operations of the business you've got some kind of change function and that's nominally what the cto should be doing uh in the context of using in 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 that case technology to reduce your engagement with the market and also how you deliver 
and then a CFO who is going to kind of tell you the truth kind of thing. You know, you don't want a, an enthusiastically uh, creative, if you like, in the sort of curious way um, CFO. You want someone who, when everyone else is really excited, is going to kind of, in some ways, bring you down to earth. But generally speaking, you set yourself up with the right level of functional diversity, behavioral complementarity and diversity, so that within the scheme of internal and external factors that may not be able to be predicted, you've got the flexibility to execute on what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But kind of that that diversity there, as you say, then and kind of having each role um, really demonstrating their expertise in, in their certain field and the skills and characteristics associated with those roles um, perhaps is, is something you should be looking out for. Um, but clearly the certain deal processes can move very quickly um decisions have to be made um and but again you can't exactly like we're we're on a video call now you can't exactly get a complete view of someone um from from a quick interaction so how can deal makers gain more than just a snapshot of, of a management team um, and their dynamic in truth you can right and you've got to say well how good is it at the moment and it's like the famous comment on advertising you know uh 50 of my advertising works really well the problem is i just don't know which 50 percent yeah and in terms of most of the kind of leadership diligence that goes on i don't know um i think if you said 50 percent, most people will go yeah probably yeah. we would feel even on a kind of arm's length remote view that the the kind of methods and platforms that we're developed developing would just on a straight out of the box and you know it's a you know a few minutes of a of a look will give you a kind of 60 percent kind of sniff test okay, okay. you know it looks sort of like that because what what a lot of you're doing is you're combining different facets not just for example a lot of people, when they look at skills and this, they drill into skills. You know, I've got 6,000 different variables for skills, which is fantastic. But if the error on, on that is 10, 20, 30%, 6,000 is sort of irrelevant. What this is, yeah. is giving you four different facets across four or five different perspectives. And therefore, what you do, you get a, a quick comparative view, which in our minds is going to be just the first headline gives yeah. you an objective view of what's going on. And if nothing else, it, it allows at an investor level to uh, kind of codify or give you a language about what it is you may feel is yeah. to change within the management team sure. and allows you to be objective as opposed to, as, as I mentioned earlier, emotional yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But can the can you gain a true view of the dynamic of the team? So clearly you can make your decisions on, on the different roles and assess different people within the team, but how can you assess the, the dynamic between them? Um, well, it's a process. Uh, it's not, you know, we have a, uh, a predictive behaviour model, which okay. is sort of grounded in uh, uh, fairly well-trodden um, uh sort of competencies and skills psychology and, mm. and uh lots of people you know there's been a lot of work and um done on it so we've sort of applied that 
as a predictive level and it gives you a it gives you a good you know a good guide you know it, and at some level um you know i've always been more or less in the same role right yeah and that's largely because of my thinking style right sure. uh, you know psychologically they call you know they talk about flow state which is you like consistency with doing things that you like doing that you're good at yeah. right and so we we naturally converge to our natural position and at some level if you like not you know at a leadership level you know um to achieve to get to that level to be to be operating at that point you you you've got to be operating at a fairly high level of intensity and, mm -hmm. and performance output and therefore it's you know at some level it's very unlikely you're not going to you're not going to sit there and go you know what i flipping i'd much rather have been doing that job all these years yeah so there's, there's an element of that but what happens then is it's a process of then getting actual bio data and so there's an applied uh, psychometric model which is based on analyzing largest kind of its study actually analyzing the behaviors of leaders in private equity over the last 10 years and picking out those particular elements about what are the things and what are the mix and diversity of behaviors and yeah. traits and amplifiers that you need in order to be successful within this particular environment. Really interesting, really interesting. Great. Um, and Matthew, to finish, have you got any words of wisdom or advice to private equity dealmakers who perhaps haven't really considered leadership diligence that, that much so far and are looking to, to kind of consider it more so going forward? I think, I think yeah, I think the, 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 uh, the, the simple thing is to try it and see if it works. Yeah. You know, well, the, the proof sure. of the pudding is in the eating. You know, you it's it's I can speculate and tell them, you know, persuade people all I like, but um these, you know, there are models and you know, we have one which is in a form that you can kind of digest it in a kind of uh, almost like taster manner. And you can say, mm. well, okay, yeah, it just seems to work, and then you get deeper and deeper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I it, try it. It's a we're 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 the beneficiaries in a lot of this of um, a lot of the uh, availability of a lot of the technology and the ability to collect and collate and calculate this stuff on the fly. Mm -hmm. But also, I think within the case of Drax, it's also having the the kind of vision to say, well, how do I? I know there's a lot of data analytics models out there and there's a lot of machine learning type models out there yeah but intuitively how do i take that kind of intuitive understanding which exists within the eye in the minds of people who've done this for 10 15 20 years mm -hmm. and how do i model that and i think that's one of the things that we've successfully overlaid it especially within the context of the uh applied psychometric model which is uh, uh pace Really interesting, really interesting. Great. Thanks, Matthew. Um, so, Matthew, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Um, and if our listeners have any further questions um, around leadership diligence, we do encourage them to, to get in touch with you um, and to hopefully hear more. Um, but now for now, thanks again, Matthew. And thank you for everyone for listening.